Arsenal for Democracy is freely available weekly at arsenalfordemocracy.com or Apple and Stitcher. And we're supported by some listeners at patreon.com slash arsenalfordemocracy for $3 a month. The show is recorded and produced by me, Bill Humphrey, in Newton, Massachusetts. Our theme music is produced by Stuntbird. Follow us on Facebook or at AFD Radio on Twitter. The show is not affiliated with any campaign committee, and each participant's opinions are their own. This man is your land. This man is my land. California. New York Island. The Redwood Forest. Gulf Stream Waters. This man was made you and me. You're listening to Arsenal for Democracy. I'm your host, Rachel, recording from my home studio in Boise, Idaho. Um, and I'm, today I am bringing to you a short 10-minute bonus episode um, about the Pulaski. So when Bill came to visit over the summer and we went to the Idaho State History Museum, there was a big exhibit about the Big Burn and... It's also known as the Great Fire of 1910. And so what was the Big Burn? It was a fire that burned 3 million acres in just one weekend in August 1910. August 19th and 20th, 1910. It spanned across Washington, Idaho, and Montana, and it even stretched north into British Columbia. Strong winds and intense drought, along with the Forest Service policy of putting out all fires as soon as possible with no prescribed burns, created conditions for the largest forest fire in history. Many small fires combined to create a massive superfire that raged and killed 87 people, destroyed many mining and timber towns, and sent a billion dollars worth of timber up in smoke. One of the men that valiantly fought the Big Burn was Ed Pulaski, and uh, I found a few different articles about Ed Pulaski, and I found a pretty great one on pbs.org's Um, American Experience website. So quoting from that, Ed Pulaski joined the Forest Service when he was 40 years old. His previous experience had been in mining, prospecting, ranching, blacksmithing, and construction, among other things, end quote. He couldn't have been more different from the typical Forest Service worker at that time. Uh, Gifford Pinchot was the first head of the Forest Service, and he was born to a wealthy Eastern family and studied the French forestry system in Europe. And many of the first Forest Service employees came from similar backgrounds, from the East, and then they settled in the West to work for the U.S. Forest Service. Uh, But Pulaski's working-class background served him and his men well during the Big Burn. Quoting again, Trapped by the raging fire, Pulaski saved the majority of his men by sheltering in an old mine shaft for hours until the blaze outside subsided. End quote. And although he was gravely wounded during the fire... Pulaski set out to make an instrument that would help to fight future forest fires. Quoting again from the PBS article, quote, One source describes Pulaski getting his hands on a tool invented by a supervisor, USFS supervisor William Weigel, that was an axe-matic-shovel combination. In his personal blacksmith shop, Pulaski modified the tool, getting rid of the shovel head and lengthening the axe and adze blazes, and thus the Pulaski was conceived. Wildland firefighters began regularly using the Pulaski by the early 1920s, and it has become a standard tool for fighting wildfires. 
A common use for the Pulaski is in creating fire breaks, sections of land devoid of vegetation which can help contain forest fires. Firefighters chop down trees with the axe side, cut away roots and shrubs with the end of the adze blade, and dig barriers with the wide portion of the adze. The tool has remained largely unchanged in its design, though the Super Pulaski is a slight improvement, with longer, evenly weighted blades made of stronger metal and a longer, sturdier handle. And quoting now from the Pulaski Wiki article, Pulaski further refined the tool by 1913, and it came into use in the Rocky Mountain region. In 1920, the Forest Service began contracting for the tool to become commercially manufactured, but its use remained regional for some years. The tool became a national standard in 1930s. And, end quote. And quoting again from the PBS article, Ed Pulaski's original prototype is on display at the Wallace District Mining Museum in Wallace, Idaho. His initials are engraved on the intersection of the axe and the ads. So in our, in our research, in our travels, after encountering this exhibit at the, US, uh, or at the Idaho State History Museum, uh, we found a book called The Big Burn um, by Timothy Egan, and it was about Teddy Roosevelt and how he started the U.S. Uh, Forest Service. And it kind of had a, a narrative style of, of retelling this story and going into the background and of the U.S. Forest Service and Teddy Roosevelt and how he kind of battled with Taft after hit after the uh, Roosevelt left the presidency and how Taft basically um, kept the Forest Service understaffed, underfunded, and really created the conditions that led to this fire just kind of raging out of control. Um, however, both Bill and I really didn't like the book that much. It kind of meandered. Um, it went into a whole bunch of tangents. And for some reason, uh, Timothy Egan was really uh, committed to making fun of Taft's weight. And it just was something that we, we didn't really like, we didn't really want to talk about. And so therefore, I can't really recommend the book if you want to find out more about The Big Burn. Um, it was just kind of off-putting in a way that I couldn't really in good conscience, recommend that other people read it. Um, I feel like other people would probably be put off, listeners to the show especially, would probably be put off by um, Egan's writing style and his odd fixation on President Taft's body. Um, it was just very weird. But I think as a whole, um, I really appreciated learning about more about this fire um, and learning more about Ed Pulaski. Um, he... Really, after the Big Burn, he really kind of faded into obscurity. Um, even though he was gravely injured, um, there wasn't a lot of um, re recovery funds available from the, the federal government. And so he really just kind of grew poor and bitter over the years, even though he designed or redesigned um, this Pulaski instrument. He didn't see any profit from it. Um, he wasn't able to patent it. Um, uh, Pulaski lost his sight uh, during the burn. Um, it just got so hot and uh, the fire was just burning so hot and got so close to them that his eyes were damaged and he couldn't see it after the fire. And so he wasn't even able to um, fill out the, 
the patent forms and submit them to, to patent his instrument. So he never really got to see any benefit from his invention of the Pulaski or his, his redesign of the Pulaski instrument. And so the book just kind of mentioned that he, he ended up poor and bitter. Like his, his experiences just made him a bitter, angry man. Um, and he, he died in obscurity without really getting the recognition that future firefighters would, would give to him. Um, he never really got to experience the, the gratitude or the recognition of his, uh, his invention um, from future firefighters, which is, it, it was kind of a sad, bittersweet tale that you kind of run into in, in history. He just became a forgotten figure, basically, except amongst the firefighters. And so I, I really appreciated learning about Ed Pulaski, but again, I can't really recommend the book that much. Um, however, I would recommend that you, you seek him out, uh, you learn more about Ed Pulaski, research the Big Burn. Um, I didn't give it justice in this full justice in this small bonus episode, but I think the Pulaski uh, is one of those uh, inventions that had a huge impact beyond what the inventor could have imagined. Um, one small footnote from the Wikipedia article on the Pulaski, um, aside from a knife, the only tool that was issued to the participants in the American reality series, Naked Afraid, um, on the Discovery Channel show was a Pulaski. So I think that's kind of fun, um, a fun little footnote of history, something that Pulaski could never have probably um, envisioned for his instrument. Um, <laughs> how could he have? Um, so it's really interesting that it's such a useful tool. Um, it's also useful for gardening or other outdoor work. Anytime you need to um, break up the ground or dig holes in, in hard soil, um, I live in a place where the, the soil is very clay heavy. And to do any outdoor work, um, any gardening work, you have to bust through that clay layer in the soil. Um, so the Pulaski is something that I've actually used in my life in my outdoor work. Um, so that's kind of interesting that um, I used it, but I didn't really know the significance of it um, until much later when I encountered this exhibit at the State History Museum. So with that, um, thank you, Ed Pulaski. Um, thanks, as always, to the listeners of this show. We appreciate you very much, and we hope you had a really great holiday um, we took a little bit of a break, um, took it easy this, this Thanksgiving weekend, but we are ready to bring you more full-length episodes in the future. So with that, um, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.